Some, some people don't like one-on-one coaching. But I got no problem with it. I love it. I love getting to lock eyes with people and say, what's, what are you struggling with? And let's focus in on that and solve that pain point. So those were the first couple of aha moments where I saw something working and I just doubled down on that. And I've just slowly added things to the monetization, what I call the podcast monetization pyramid, kind of your business portfolio of offers. And uh, we test and I listen to my audience. And if they don't want it, I don't build it. That's my basic rule. <laughs> What's up, my friend? And welcome to Grit, Grace, and Inspiration. I am your host, Kevin Lowe. 20 years ago, I awoke from a life-saving surgery only to find that I was left completely blind. And since that day, I've learned a lot about life, a lot about living, and a lot about myself. And here on this podcast, I want to share those insights with you. Because friend, if you are still searching for your purpose, still trying to understand why, or still left searching for that next right path to take, we'll consider this to be your stepping stone to get you from where you are to where you want to be. What's happening, my friend? How are you today? Looking good, feeling good as always. I love it. (laughs) My name is Kevin Lowe, your host, as well as Transformation Coach, helping you to step into your next best chapter of life. Today is, is episode number 204, and I am in the studio with a guy named Adam Shibley. Adam is a dude who I've known for a while, a guy who I looked up to and still look up to, still admire in the podcasting space. Now, when I first met Adam, it was through his podcast called Podcasting Business School. And as a guy who was trying to grow a podcast and trying to make a business out of the podcast, well, you can pretty much say that Adam was the golden ticket. Now, that's what got me attracted to what he had to share. But then once I got into Adam's realm and I got to become friends with Adam, That's when I became a super fan. That's when I really started to admire Adam because Adam is a guy who is bigger than life and yet has a heart even bigger than that. The guy is all about giving more than he could ever receive. That's one of the aspects that has me loving Adam Shibley so much. The other aspect that I find so admiring is the fact that Even though he's an entrepreneur, even though he's a podcaster, even though he's growing a business, has a successful business, he puts family first. Matter of fact, the dude does all that he does inside of three days, a three-day work week. That is it. We are going to talk about that. Trust me. As I said, Adam, he's a unique guy. He packs a lot into an episode just like he packs a lot into a three-day work week. It was an absolute pleasure to have him in this little mini-series on the podcast as I get to bring you the stories of my most favorite people in the podcasting space. Now, here's the big thing. It's not just about podcasting. It's not just about Adam. It's about you, my listener. And my hope is that as you listen to Adam's story today, you can really start to look at your own life because Adam's been through the ups and downs. He has faced burnout. He has been in a 
career that was literally killing him. And I can't help but wonder, is that the case for you? Are you so overworked, underappreciated, and just not living like you want to live to the point that you're at your breaking point? If so, then please, please keep listening because you need to hear this story more than anyone else. With that said, with that little PSA out of the way, I am excited to introduce you to my friend, to podcaster, to none other than Adam with Podcasting Business School. I forget how many years deep I was into my entrepreneurial journey, but in a previous life before podcasting, I was a gym owner. And the moment I'm thinking of was the the first time of three, the first time that I worked myself into the hospital. I passed out in, in the middle of the night, got up to use the bathroom, just passed out. My wife had to, she couldn't even open the door because I was kind of laying in front of the door. She called an ambulance and my son, Henry, uh, well, this must've been about 12 years ago now because he's 12, he's 12 years old now. And he was in, in the crib at that point. And I remember just being hauled down the steps, going by his room. He's crying in the crib. My wife's freaking out. And it was all because I was working so much and I had a business that was exploding. So good entrepreneurial things were happening, but I wasn't taking care of my personal well-being by just working and working and working and working. So from that point on, I attempted to start making better choices by the third time that this had happened. I was fully committed to, to making better choices. And, you know, between then and, you know, 12 years later, now I operate with a three-day work week and I spend more time being a dad and a husband and a, and a, you know, a family guy than I do being an entrepreneur. So that, that was definitely, that was definitely the moment that started the the shift in my life. Wow. 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 That's insane. Now you said during this time you, you owned a gym. Yep. So how did that come to be? And what in the world is involved in the gym that has you in that type of situation? Okay. So great question. So I had kind of a boot camp fitness facility. We did group boot camp classes. We did personal training. And I graduated from college and went to Indiana University. I got my exercise science degree. So my mindset was to be in the fitness and health field. And I kind of started off just doing personal training. And that side of things really took off because I've I've always, Kevin, you know me pretty well, like I've always been a systems driven person. I see a pain point, I look to solve it, and I look to create a system around that solution. And that's really effective when it comes to, you know, whether it's business development or weight loss or whatever. So I started getting results and I just systematized the results and I started really becoming a popular personal trainer to the point that my calendar was completely full. So then I was like, all right, I need to be able to coach more than one person at a time or more than small groups. So that's when the boot camp fitness rage started to happen. So I started testing out some of those. And before I knew it, I was doing 100 person boot camps where I'd have 80 or so people coming in to work out with me at six in the morning <laughs> and, and just, it just took off. So I had to hire people. So I had this demand and I was like, okay. I need help. I need other instructors. I 
ended up hiring a general manager. And before I know it, I've got like 20 plus employees. I mean, the business just exploded and we got our own facility an 8,000 square foot facility and business was just booming. But I, the issue that I had was I didn't delegate enough in line with the pace of the growth because you can't just do it all. As an entrepreneur, you just can't do all the things. You have to delegate and get more help as things scale and grow. So that's where I really made my mistake. I didn't let go of enough things at the same rate as uh, what we were growing. We had explosive growth. So over just a short amount of time in the first three years of our boot camp program, we helped my hometown lose 35,000 pounds. Wow. So it was insane and insanely popular. But yeah, I, I kind of failed to, I just wasn't sleeping. I was working all the time, just living off of caffeine, not living by what I was teaching, not living by the same rules, I should say, as what I was teaching these people. And it caught up to me. So yeah, that was, it was an exciting time. It went by really, really fast. And, you know, I'm glad that things happened the way that they did because that's how I ended up where I'm at now. Yeah, absolutely. Now, what got you into the whole health and fitness space to begin with? So I, I grew up in Indiana playing basketball. So, you know, that's that's like religion in Indiana. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so between my junior and senior year, we had a really good basketball team and we were predicted to be one of the top teams in the state. And the coach wanted everybody to do weightlifting class. And I was like, you know, hard pass. I want to do classes where there are women and there were no girls ever took weightlifting class. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, I'm here to meet some ladies in high school. I need, uh, this is a poor use of my time. So <laughs> the coach, <laughs> the, and there were a few of us like that, like, oh, you know, weightlifting's not going to work out. So he ended up, hiring a strength coach to work with us offsite with this group of guys that didn't want to take the weightlifting class. Best thing that ever happened to me because a, I still got to network with the ladies in like ceramics class. That, that was the class I took instead of weightlifting, I took ceramics because that was like all females. I'm like, this is perfect. <laughs> so, you know, one track mind in, in high school. So then I met my mentor in the strength and conditioning space, a gentleman named Doug Ballard. He has a, a gym in Bloomington, Indiana called the Iron Pit Gym. So we go into the Iron Pit Gym and it changed my life. Like this, he's still a positive role model in my life. I, we still, you know, talk all the time, text back and forth, share videos of my son now that he's lifting and stuff like that. But super cool that I met this individual basically because I was trying to avoid lifting weights. And then all of a sudden he makes me fall in love with it. My senior year, I do an internship with him and he's like, you're really good at this. You should, would you consider as you go through college, uh, you know, working at the gym? And I was like, yeah. And that's how I picked, I chose my major. I just fell in love with coaching, but strength development. I love the mental component that people got out of it, gaining strength. So that was how all that kind of came about. Yeah. Wow. 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 Okay. So this is really cool. Now, Along this kind of journey, and especially I'm, I'm wondering, you know, after maybe high school, after college, you know, did you always stay in the, the fitness industry? Because I'm, I guess I'm kind of wondering, like, how long after high school, college, then came about like the gym thing? Like, I wondered if there was any span of time, like, did you always maintain that fitness level? Yeah. So what happened 
with me, with my fitness career, first off, I graduated Indiana University in 2003. I did personal training only from 2003 to 2009. 2009 is when I launched my boot camp, and I did that for 10 years, basically. And uh, that's when I, I sold my gym and went full-time in podcasting at the end of 2019. So that's kind of the, the business side of things. But it's interesting with my own, like my own fitness journey, I had different focus points. So early on my mentor, Doug, he competed in and still competes in powerlifting and Olympic lifting and strength sports, like Scottish Highland games where they throw the caber and toss the stones and do all the stuff. So I started doing that and I'm, you know, six foot three, six foot four, depending on what shoes I'm wearing that day. <laughs> and to compete in strength sports, if you're a taller individual, you need to be a heavier individual. So I just kept on packing on weight because I wanted to get stronger. And I, at my top weight, I weighed a little bit over 320 pounds. So I was, you know, bench pressing almost 500 pounds and deadlifting, you know, close to 700, squatting over 600 pounds, like all these big strength. I was carrying my fair share of body fat as well. It wasn't like, I wouldn't go out and run a marathon or anything for sure. <laughs> so that was kind of one version of me. And I ended up competing in Highland Games and being one of the top amateur athletes in the country in that sport and powerlifting. I finished second in the nation in my age group four times and pretty cool, pretty cool experience. But eventually I uh, felt that my health was being optimized and I got a little bit nervous about like, uh, maybe this isn't the right track to go on. So I started losing weight and I, you know, ended up losing over a hundred pounds. And now I, my living walk around weight is about 220 to 230 pounds. So that's, that's kind of my own purse. So I went from a very, very strong individual to now I feel like I'm, I'm very focused on longevity, feeling good, health optimization and maintaining good, good things that are going to make me live longer. Not, not just, and I'm still strong and I can still go out and play basketball with high school kids and my son and, and stuff like that. So that that's nice too. Yeah. No, well, I love that so much, man. So so I guess I would love to kind of go back to where we we kind of started when when you talked about that that pivotal moment when you said it was your third massive panic attack. What changes did you start to implement in your life after that? So I Honestly, I wasn't really sure what to do, but just like serendipitously, I was in a local BNI group. So it's like a business networking group. And one of the individuals in there goes, Hey, I'm doing this thing called strategic coach. And I go to Chicago once per quarter. I think you should check it out. So I ended up coming and checking it out. And the first thing that this entrepreneurship mastermind is talking about is tracking the days that you don't work and how much of a difference that will make. And I'm kind of calling BS on it and, and not, <laughs> you know, like, well, this is dumb. But then they're like, just do it. Here's how you do it. Here's what I want you to do. Here are the rules. And I started doing it and it was just like a light bulb went off. I, I just started taking one day off per week and I became addicted to that because I was like, wow, when I turn off the work brain, I'm able to turn on the husband brain, the dad brain, the, the filling my own cup up situation started to happen. And I started, I really saw the light quickly. So I turned from a bad student to a, an A plus student really quickly. And I mean, ever since then I've tracked the days that I don't work each year 
for well over a decade now. And that's pretty cool. And so like, this is my most important metric that I track in my business is how many days I don't work. That's my most important goal. That's how I know that I'm being productive. That's how I know I had a successful business year. I don't view income as my main form of compensation. I view my schedule and my lifestyle and what I'm able to do when I'm not working as my main form of compensation, if that makes sense. Dude, not only does it make sense, but I mean, talk about a total 180 degree shift in perspective from what I feel like everyone is out there. They're pushing into our heads of you got to work more. You got to hit the grind. You got to do the thing. You got to always be working. And Adam's like, how can I do work less, spend more time with the stuff that really matters? Yeah. You know, I mean, that's incredible. Well, it is unconventional thinking, but the way I see it, I mean, the path that I was on and the way I see out in this hustle culture is that entrepreneurs are working themselves into the grave by chasing an infinite amount of income. Like they're chasing the horizon line. I've been in masterminds where people are like, I want to make six figures. And all of a sudden I want to make seven figures. And all of a sudden, oh, like they're never satisfied. It's just like the next thing. And let's just make as much money as possible, but they don't ever ask themselves why. And they don't have like a filter of like enough versus more. Like what is enough income for me to be happy and to live the life that I want? So that's, I mean, that's something I look at every single year. I look at my year, I project expenses for what I want to accomplish with my, my family. And you know, like Henry's getting braces, that's 6k. All right. We got a budget for that. You know, <laughs> And like, so I look at that each year, I go, all right, how much is this year going to cost? If I live it the way that I want to live it, how much is it going to you know, do I have to project that it's going to cost? Okay. How much income do I need to bring with my business factoring in taxes, factoring in, you know, socking away money for my 401k that, I, that I've set up for myself and all this stuff. I just run the numbers and I go, okay, I know how much I need to make. And I only work enough to make that amount because why would I work more than what it takes to bring in my ideal lifestyle? So I, I kind of reverse engineer it and I'm trying to teach other people <laughs> <laughs> to do this. And that's why I'm like, I'm, you know, bringing it up on shows like this because I want to challenge people to start thinking differently instead of just, I see so many entrepreneurs just setting random income numbers for no reason. And it's like, there's no why behind that number. It's just a, a number that you hear other people saying, uh, like, what if, what if you could live an amazing lifestyle and it only costs 50 K a year? Why are you trying to make six figures? Just take the rest of the time off and go enjoy your your perfect lifestyle. So that, that's the way that I think about it. Yeah, no, I, I totally love this so much. So now I've only known you since starting my own podcast. And, and I think I discovered you soon afterwards. So talk to me about the who, the what, the where, the why, the how do we go from panic attack, Adam, to... We're going to spend as much time doing what I love and with the ones that I love to also, honey, I'm going to stop the gym and start a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So let's connect the dots here. So when all of the going to the hospital, all that happened, obviously I started taking more time off, but I started looking for opportunities 
for business leverage. And I started listening to podcasts so I could consume information about like online entrepreneurship, business buildings. I was like, the online space creates leverage because I went from one-on-one personal training to group personal training to bootcamp personal training and then to have employees training all these people for me. And I was like, all right, this isn't really the natural progression I want to take, but how can I still scale my message and earn more income with an international audience? And so the first podcast I launched was a weight loss show called The Million Pound Mission. And I started that in 2015. So I was a podcaster for four and a half, five years, four and a half years, basically, before I went full time. So I was doing the gym and doing the podcast uh, at the same time. And I, I just figured things out. It took me three years to figure out how to make any money because it was just, I didn't have anybody to help me. I, I was really struggling to figure things out. But once I did, I was able to kind of reverse engineer a few things uh, and duplicate what worked, get rid of what didn't. And I started creating, again, systems and processes that I would launch a, a new online course. I was able to do several like $10,000 plus launches and start paying my bills that way, replacing my income and other people in the health and fitness space saw what I was doing. They go, Hey, would you be able, can I pay you to consult and help me do what you're doing with your health podcast, with your online brand? I was like, yes. And when I saw what they're willing to pay me, that's when the light bulb went off. I was like, wow, I can make so much more income in a shorter amount of time teaching people business then I can, I've kind of, I kind of maxed out my opportunities from a health and fitness perspective. There's a cap, unfortunately, on the amount that people will invest in their own health. Mm. If you're teaching people how to make money, there's no cap because they see that as a return on investment. So that's when the light bulb went off. And in that year, 2019, I was able to replace my income fully. And I was like, I'm selling the gym. I'm selling the facility. I'm doing this full time. And, um, and I, you know, and some of you are probably thinking this dude sold his gym in late 2019, <laughs> right before the pandemic hit. Oh my God. What great timing yeah. it was. And I was due for it. I was due for some great timing. So I got out at the precise exact correct time with that deal. But, but yeah, so that's, that's how all that kind of tied together. And then eventually I sold the health podcast that that became an asset. And that's something that a lot of podcasters don't think about, but I had built up a 10,000 person email list and 11,000 person Instagram following. We had half a million downloads on that show. And I was able to take that as a sellable asset and it's transitioned over to my friend, Nate, who's doing a great job with it. So yeah, so I went full time, not only in podcasting, but in the pot, in the business space, which was really exciting. It presented new opportunities, new adventures, new things I had to figure out. And that's where I've been operating, you know, specifically over the last two and a half, three years. Yeah. Well, that's just absolutely incredible. Now, podcasting, there's a lot of people who have the idea to start a podcast. And there's even more who don't make it past what, like three episodes. Yeah. What do you credit then for for your success, especially getting into podcasting back in like 2015 when I don't think most people had even heard of a podcast? Yeah. So to me, whether it's podcasting or weight loss or business or New Year's resolution, the key formula for me is 
the why, the big capital W-H-Y has to be bigger and stronger than the combined force of all the why nots all at once. So all the why nots, those are all going to happen and they're going to happen in rapid succession. So that why had damn well better be big. And if it's not, you're going to quit. That's just, that's how the math works. So for me, when I started my first health show, I had all that, my personal health stuff. I had all that anxiety attack, all, all that. And I saw what was possible with podcasting. I, I'd become a fan of the, the medium of podcasting. I saw people selling things. I saw people building businesses and brands. I was like, I can do this. I had a lot of confidence that I, this was figure outable and that I could do it. Now, did I think it was going to take me three years to make $37? No. <laughs> uh, but my advantage was I still had my gym going and I like, I, I could pay the bills. Like, I don't recommend people just quit their job without recording any episodes going, and now I'm a podcaster and I'm going to make money like Adam. Like it's, it took me a while, but now, I mean, I make way more money than I ever did as a gym owner. And I worked, you know, last year in 2022, I, I didn't work 177 days. And this year in 2023, I'll be well over 200 non-work days. And that's crazy. But I saw the power, the leverage of, of the medium of podcasting. And I, so my why was huge. And honestly, if I'm being really honest, Kevin, back in 2015, I had a vision for what was possible and it motivated the heck out of me. And me being honest, the, the reality I live today is even better than what I thought it was possible in 2015. I never thought I would get to a three-day work week. I never thought I'd have the audience and the income that that audience generates. It's just so much better. So it's I'm so glad I didn't quit <laughs> because it's crazy what I'm able to do and how efficiently I'm able to do it. You know, I've got a VA. You know, I've, I've, I'm able to pay myself six figures. My monthly expenses are less, usually less than a thousand bucks a month for my business, my entire business. Like that's how efficient I'm able to, to do this. So I'm just glad I didn't give up. But I feel like that was my main reason why I didn't quit. I think in general though, a lot of podcasters quit because they, it's hobby, it's hobby mode. And they get this idea and they're like, oh, I'm gonna do this thing. And I like Joe Rogan and I'm gonna get underwear sponsors. And then when none of that happens in the first 10 episodes, they quit because it's not a big deal. Yeah. But to me, the seriousness level was a totally different level, different thing. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. The whole, the whole mindset going into anything, I think matters tremendously on, on what's going to happen on the other side. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm curious about this is when you made the switch and you started podcasting business school, totally different topic from the health show. How was that for you? I mean, was it, as successful as you maybe thought it was going to be not how did that work? And when did that show even launch? Yeah. So I, from my first experience in the health realm, that kind of set me up with the correct mindset for the business show. I'm like, all right, this is going to take some time. I'm going to have to figure it out. It's a new space. And again, I was starting from zero. I had zero following with that type of a brand. I had zero email list with that type of a brand and I had zero listeners with that type of a brand. Now I did launch it before I sold my health show. So there was a little bit of inter intermixing buildup where I was doing both brands at the same time for about a year. So 
Uh, I launched it, I think in late 2018. And uh, so we had both shows go on for about a year or so here, but there was a learning curve. Like I threw some offers out there and I'm like, oh, this is, they're going to be all over this and crickets. Like they were like, nope, not buying, not buying. And that was very similar to my health journey. So I had to figure out what are the pain points in this realm? What do people want? And so it just took some time to get to know my audience a little bit. And that's where I tell a lot of podcasters, I'm like, if you're in your first year of being a podcaster, this is just practice. Like you're just figuring out how to be a podcaster. So there's no such thing as failure. You're just trying things. And it's not necessarily that if you try like a membership offer, or a mastermind offer, nobody buys it. It's not necessarily a bad offer. It just might be the wrong time because your audience, you've got 12 people listening to your show and you need a thousand people listening to your show. And that just takes time. So I tried some things fearlessly as always, and a few things started to, to click. And most of that was anything that involved me one-on-one directly. So I kind of brushed everything else off the table. I'm like, I'm only doing coaching, consulting offers. This is what people are saying yes to. I've got a smaller audience that I'm building up and this is how I'm really going to be able to replace my income, not only for my gym, but for my health show and really transition into this space fully. So like creating my membership, the Download Growth Club, that was a definite pain point that I found out podcasters are obsessed with. Like they really want to grow their audience and they're not sure how to do it. So that was a very successful offer. And then just my one-on-one coaching consulting has always been really rock steady as far as just people are interested. And, you know, I'm thankful for that, that people are interested in working one-on-one and now, some some people don't like one-on-one coaching. I got no problem with it. I love it. I love getting to lock eyes with people and say, What's, what are you struggling with? And let's focus in on that and solve that pain point. So those are the first couple of aha moments where I saw something working and I just doubled down on that. And I've just slowly added things to the monetization, what I call the podcast monetization pyramid, kind of your business portfolio of offers. And uh, we test and I listen to my audience. And if they don't want it, I don't build it. That's my basic rule. (laughs) I love it so much. Now, so as we listen to you and we're like, okay, the, the guy's legit. He seems like he knows what he's talking about. He's obviously spending those three days a week wisely. I'm kind of curious, though, for those of us who are of the mindset that there's not enough time in the day. How do you, though, operate this level of business inside of three days a week? Like, legit, like, does those, (laughs) are those three days, like, just balls to the walls from 6 a.m. to 9 p.m.? I don't think so, knowing you, but I'm just kind of curious, how does that even work? How have you been able to structure your, your lifestyle to do that? Yeah, great question. So every day that I work has a purpose. And I, one rule is I I have to say no to a very good amount of things. And I've got specific rules to guard my time. And sometimes that rubs people the wrong way, but I'm like, this is worth it to me. (laughs) So I get a little pissed (laughs) off because I can only do like, you know, yeah, you just paid me $5,000 for coaching and we can only do it on Tuesdays or Wednesdays. That's how it is. And I'll, I'll gladly refund if that's, not convenient. And I haven't had anybody that I've had to do that with because they're excited to work with me, but like, so there are rules for each day. So let's address uh, one of the questions. Like, are we just doing balls of the wall, super long days? Tuesday is the beginning of my work week. That is the longest day by far. 
So I will get up. I always get up at 5 a.m. every single day, regardless, I'm working or not. That's just when I wake up and I'll get up and I'm usually working, you know, doing some sort of work from 530 until about 615 or 630. But then I got to go back into dad mode where it's like, <laughs> all right, breakfast for the kids, you know, get them up and ready for school, the whole thing, packing lunches, all that deal. So I'm not back working again until probably 9 a.m. So then from 9 a.m., I'll hit it pretty hard until 3 p.m. I've usually got a full schedule and I'll go over the themes of my days here in a minute. But then break from three to four. That's when I'll, I'll do my dinner meal or whatever. And then I'll go from four until 7 p.m. And then I'm usually done by 7 p.m. Every once in a while, I'll go to 8 p.m. But that's that's the long day. Wednesday, same deal in the morning, get up at five, get my newsletter out, all that stuff. I take the kids to school. My wife picks up. But I'm usually done by, again, 4 p.m. on that day. So that's more of like a nine to four. And then honestly, on Thursday, I'm usually done by noon. Like I'm working out by one. So really, it's like a two and a half day work week. <laughs> and there's nothing left for me to do. I'm so efficient with that. I'm like, well, might as well go work out and just kind of call it quits for the day. And, I'll, and that's when I post these like, braggy uh, Instagram things of like me closing out my three day work week. And it's me <laughs> with like, I, I, I do deep fakes where I'm wearing like bright pink pants, dancing around like an idiot and stuff like that <laughs> just to piss people off. But so the, that's the the layout, but the focus points are the, are the key thing. So Tuesday is my creation and coaching day. So I will, the first part of the day, that first hour block, I'll map out my two podcast episodes that I'm going to record that day. And then from nine to 11, I'm recording, editing, producing, and doing social media assets for those two episodes. So that's, then I'm good. I'm always three weeks ahead on my show. So that, that whatever I create in that time block, that's going to be released three weeks from that day, two to three weeks from that day. Then I go into coaching the rest of the day, coaching, consulting, discovery sessions, the entire rest of the day, or like, you know, today's a Tuesday, we're, I'm recording content for other people's shows. So like if people invite me on their show and like, I only interview on Monday, I'm like, I'm out. I don't work on Mondays. I apologize, but that's just, I got dad things to do. So, you know, like that's another kind of hard ass thing I have to be about, but you know, it's, that's just the rule. My, one of my, if I'm going to take the day off, I got to take the day off. So Tuesday's more of a creation day. I, I go live. I'm doing coaching. I'm, I'm content creating for my own stuff for other people's platforms. Wednesday is more of a uh, project development day. So like I'm developing a mastermind for 2024. I'm going to work on that tomorrow morning. I'm launching a second show with a special format. I'm going to work on that tomorrow. I always keep a list of my top five major projects and whatever is number one and sometimes number two, that'll get work that I'll push those forward on Wednesdays. And I'll do a little bit of coaching. Uh, I usually don't create content unless it's being interviewed for somebody else's show or I get invited to speak in a lot of masterminds. So I'll do those on Wednesdays as well. And then Thursdays is all like busy work and wrapping up the week. And I set up my next week's schedule. So any follow-ups, any just anything that I got to tie up at the end of the week, if I did some consultations or discovery calls, follow up and go, hey, you know, you know, do you have any questions? Are we working together? Blah, blah, blah. And then I'll zero out my email. So I always end the week inbox zero, a hundred percent. And then I map out my schedule and my goals for the next week. So I, I always have, 
I've only got a three item checklist for each week. The three major things that I need to get done for me to consider that a, a successful week. If I check all those boxes, successful week, three things. That's, that's how I always set it up. That's another thing I learned in the strategic coach program. So I set up my three things for the next week. I look at my schedule. I've got to look at my, like my basketball coaching schedule, my dad's schedule, my husband's schedule, in addition to my, my entrepreneurial schedule. And I make sure that's mapped out. I keep it in a Google doc and that's it. I mean, that's uh, each day has its own theme and it's not like, you know, there's that uh, Neapolitan ice cream. And when you buy it, it's got the chocolate, it's got the vanilla, it's got the strawberry and most people's schedules. It looks like Neapolitan ice cream melted together. Like all, it all just kind of happens all at once. And with me, like you see the chocolate, you see the vanilla, you see the strawberry clearly within each day, there's a theme and, and then nothing bleeds together. So that's how I get it all done. That's the exact system that I use. If you are not monetizing by creating the Adam Super Planner by the end of, I don't know, the year, <laughs> there's something wrong with you. Because literally, I'm sitting here thinking, like, this guy's like a walking, talking human version of the most iconic planner known to mankind. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm like, it's got to be the Adam Super Planner or something, you know? Yeah. yeah. Except when people get the Google Doc, people ask me for this all the time. And then they see the Google Doc and they're like, but there's only room for three things. I'm like, yeah, that's that's part of the, the magic. <laughs> what about my 400 item list? I'm like, yeah, that's we get rid of the 397 things. And then you start doing the three things that actually matter and you you you, you start making money and making an impact. So, yeah, it's, it's a spreadsheet with three cells on it. It's the super atom planner of three things. That's one of the, the motivating factors behind my mastermind. Like I want to teach people that when, when I get this thing launched. So. That is definitely coming. So I'm, I'm glad that idea popped into your head, man. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, one thing that I'm kind of curious about, I mean, obviously these three days a week are, are structured there for a reason. How does Adam host, coach, speaker, go transition to just dad and husband on the other four days of the week? I mean, is your everyday life still structured or is it more just normal everyday person? Dude, I love this question. So let me blow your mind. It is harder for me to transition into entrepreneur mode than it is into dad mode at this point. What? Like it is so hard. Tuesday morning is rough. <laughs> I'm like, man, I gotta, I gotta figure out what I'm going to you know, create. Once I get going, I'm fine. But th that is where I feel that where I'm just kind of spinning my wheels a little bit. Like sometimes I just got to mess around a little bit on Tuesday morning and kind of get my brain jarred loose and get going. But man, I hit the ground running on, on Friday morning. And to answer the second part of your question, yes, my non-work days are as structured or even more structured and busier than my work days because it's all about the kids. It's all about me, my wife, you know, friends, my parents, whatever. Like we keep a real busy family schedule. I'm like, man, on Fridays, I probably, I mean, I'll work out for an hour and a half for the first session. And then I'll come back. I'll do another 30 minutes of like cardio. Then I'll go sit in the sauna for 20. That's like two and a half hours of just fitness stuff. I'll do my ice plunge. I'll map out my son's workouts. I'll, you know, train him for an hour uh, after school. Uh, I'll batch cook. I'm cooking food for the whole family for the next few days. 
you know, mapping out practice schedule for my basketball team that, that I coach and just all these things. So it's, it's very involved. And then I, one of the things I love to do on my non-work days is I set learning goals. So I just pick a topic. I'm like, this is the next thing that I want to learn about to just be a more effective human or dad or husband or whatever. And so like early on, I learned about how to do my own taxes. So I was like, this is a skill that I feel like I need. I don't do my own taxes, but I could. And that has saved me so much money because when I turn my taxes in, if my accountant screws up, I can figure that out. I, I've there have been a few five figure mistakes that I'm like, listen, Jeffy Pooh, you missed this thing here. And, <laughs> and you know, because it, I mean, anytime anybody goes to an accountant anywhere in the world, their office is just full of those manila folders everywhere. Like there's just people's crap everywhere. And I'm like, stuff is going to be messed up. So I got to be the, the, the backup. I got to be competent enough to know that, no, this is way off. I overpaid, I underpaid. And, you know, so anyway, so that's one of my learning things. I'm obviously big on like health hacks and things like that. So I'm always looking at benefits of sauna, cold plunges, different routines and things like that for myself and for my family. Now I'm really nerding out on home repair. Like I want to know if like our sink is, there's like this goo coming out every time we use the sink. And I'm like, I need to be able to, to fix this, like without calling somebody and paying 500 bucks. So I'm learning how to do YouTube and I'm listening to podcasts, of course, to, you know, download this information and, and just level up my life experience, travel rewards, hacking. I figured out how to, I, I don't pay for flights anytime. I, I just use travel rewards points and I've just got, you know, hundreds of thousands of travel rewards points and like all these things, but I just spend time learning all these hacks so that, um, I've just got a more pleasing life experience and it bleeds into my wife, my kids, my friends, anybody who'll listen to me. So, so yeah, I keep a really, really busy schedule. I'm not just sitting in my underwear on the couch watching Game of Thrones all day, but I could if I wanted to. <laughs> and you know what? And that's what matters is you could if you wanted to. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, well, Adam, man, listen, dude, you are probably one of the most just genuinely amazing people I've ever met. And when I wanted to to do this series, this mini series on the podcast, highlighting my favorite people in the podcasting space, an industry that has just given so much to me, you, my sir, were the first on my list because through your podcast, that's how I first came to know you, was listening to Podcasting Business School, implementing what you taught, then getting in your world on your podcaster Zoom parties, and then doing, you know, some of your, you know, offers that you do with these podcast audits and all of that, dude, to even then your, your emails that you send out with that personal note, you are just, as I said, an incredible guy, a huge heart, a massive personality. I am absolutely just blessed to, to have you in my life. And it has been an honor to have you on my show today. Well, dude, I, I accept that compliment. I accept those many compliments. And honestly, like you could have been talking about how I feel about you too, man. Like there, you're somebody, like I said, at the beginning, when I, when I interact and anybody that has reached out to Kevin in the DMs or sent emails, you know what I'm talking about. Like this dude is an energy 
giver. You plug into the world of Kevin, you come out better than, than you first started off with. So I'm just so proud of you, man. Like I, I know that you've been kind of fearless with pivoting and changing the name of the show and doing all this stuff. And I'm really excited because I feel like you're starting to hit your stride and I'm really, I'm genuinely excited to follow your journey and watch you kind of, I see a lot of my own journey and your journey. I'm like, Oh, and here's where he's at now. I, I remember being there. Uh, so it's really cool. So I think great things are, are just around the corner for you. And you know, you're somebody that, uh, you inspire me too. So I, I appreciate you sharing your platform. It's always an honor when somebody asks me to, to come on and, and, uh, you know, kick a little knowledge on their, on their show. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. Well, Adam, man, that, that means the world to me. I thank you so much for it. Before we close out today, I'll be sure that all of your information, of course, is in the show notes, because if you are somebody who are even thinking remotely that maybe a podcast could be a thing for you, well, Podcasting Business School is for you. Adam, where's the best place for them to go to uh, find out more about you and uh, just to kind of get in your realm? Yeah. If you guys hang out on social media, I'm on Instagram at podcasting business school. And my website is www.podcastingbusiness.school. Just come on over to my house and hang out. Let's go. Sweet, dude. Adam, thank you for being here. And for you listening, I want to thank you for being here because, well, this show is only still here in our 200s because of you. And uh, I just want to thank you for tuning in each and every week. With that said, my name is Kevin Lowe, and this is Grit, Grace, and Inspiration.